The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the host slash guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any of BXR entities and those they represent. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Nate, uh, host of this Artist Exchange Radio Show. Um, today is definitely a shorter one. And I am, let me put this on, do not disturb. Should have did that already. How do you do it? These people don't, they don't care. Um, <clears throat> But I'm here today, um, like every Friday. Um, just a heads up, next Friday, um, we will not be here. Um, we will be uh, with Blue. His show is opening up um, at the Voxel on 25th between Charles and Maryland Avenue. Um, so we'll be there supporting him for his show. Um, what else is going on in the city? Uh, tonight, uh, a friend of mine, Tracy Jiggets, she directed a, a show called Variations at Motor House. So it actually opens up tonight, but I'll be there this weekend to do that. I'm also coming out with a new blog. Well, not blog, but I'll be just posting about uh, things that I've partaked in, like restaurants or other art and cultural food venues in the city and in my travels. Um, and I have one young lady that I've been working with. Her a pop-up shop is at Our House. That's in the Remington area um, between 28th and 29th Street. I don't know the name of that, um, that street right there. But I know it's between 28th and 29th at Our House. That's the letter R House. Um, and she is Ethiopian, so she'll be serving some pretty good Ethiopian meals. I think she has four things on the menu, and she may be switching it out because she's there until the end of this month. Um, so I will be there for that. I actually went already, and the food was really good. Um, she has vegan and non-vegan options. Um, so I did that on. I believe that was Tuesday or I think it was Tuesday I went to, to do that. So that was delicious. Um, I also took some, uh, it's another restaurant there, but I'll be doing a separate thing for that one. So just look out, I'll be posting it on the Artist Exchange page and Marnie may pick it up and put it on the website. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I'm tired. Um, so schools go on a schedule and it's like a pay week schedule and a non-pay week schedule um and because this year i'm teaching art uh visual art i'm on a a and b schedule 
So A and B is this week is normally paid week, pay week and non-pay week. That's how they normally classify it to us. And um, A week is you normally see these students Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and these students Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then it switches the following week, B week. And when my uh, so this is A week. So when A week comes, it's really exhausting because I have one of my grades. I'm not going to say the grade because I found out one of my parents be watching. And I don't really care. I'm going to be really honest because this is my platform and I would never expose a child or a coworker. But I normally talk about things in general. Um, but a lot of these things have happened to me in my experience over the course of me teaching. And I started being a teaching artist and just a teacher in general when I was 23 or 20, like 23, 24. So it's been over 10 years now that I've been doing this. And um, sometimes coworkers and parents and students alike they often, because they're just meeting you, they assume that you're just getting getting into um, the field. And I think it's um, interesting that people feel that way. Um, but it's, you know, and I know for the past year, I've been talking more and more about school. I've always talked a little bit about it, but I've Recently, I've been been put into schools in the last couple of years that I'm not used to the environments. And maybe you'll have a couple incidents with maybe a student or a parent or a faculty member. But recently, it's just been the last, I'll say the last four or five years, it's been, you know, environments where it's really tough. And I have a certain temperament where a lot of stuff don't typically get to me, but when I'm mad, I let it be known um, and angry. I'll say angry um, because sometimes things do frustrate you. Um, and actually today's topic is quick to anger. Um, and it was something that in me, I had to check very early on because children, despite how they pick and nag at you or um, are purposely doing things, and even adults the same way, I had to realize I had to adjust how I reacted to situations because people often like to see you get mad. People do things, people are petty in that way because they want to see you frustrated. And it, it does something for them or to them to see you angry or frustrated. And I think that's very interesting. I think it's um, a little evil, just to be honest. But... Um, as I was saying last week, um, and, and what has inspired me to have these conversations so openly on my platform and this in general is because I've, there are a few, more than a few um, teachers that are either currently in the school system or have quit the school system that have started podcasts. And I have been watching one of them um, and it's uh, Teachers on Duty. If you go to YouTube, you'll see a lot of these conversations and they talk very candidly about their experiences. And I'm not trying to turn the artist exchange into that platform, but I never thought I could, one, um, because there are a lot of things you can't do 
when you work for the system, like you're not supposed to talk about certain things or, and it, those are non, uh, like kind of in the closet rules, if you will. So they're not technically official rules, but a lot of the stuff, you're not supposed to really um, talk about specific incidents with children or, um, but I've learned how to do it without saying names or, cause a lot of the stuff I've talked to, talk about is over the course of years. Some of the stuff are like current. When I'm more talking about my mood, maybe that's more current stuff, but um, it's really interesting that um, we are in these types of spaces where um, we're, well, I'll say since the pandemic, a lot of stuff is being blamed on how the school system reacted to the pandemic. And it's very easy to blame a system that is very old in terms of this community and, and, and these communities, cities, and um, it's really outdated in many senses. Um, they are trying everything to be current in how they react to situations. Um, like currently, there's this whole push for wholeness. And wholeness is really mind, body, and you know, mind and body, I'll say mind and body, and making sure the whole child is being attended to. And that whole child includes their family, their community, the environment of the school, their interactions with other adults in the school, teaching, how I teach, how we react or respond to things that are happening. And I'll say because of that, um, a lot that once before was addressed, I, I would say right now is not being addressed. And uh, because of that, um, teachers are feeling more restricted um, than ever before. And things seem to be more of a priority for others and the needs, uh, the things that, that teachers prioritize like our mental health, like the environment of our classrooms, like our ability to be able to actually teach seems to go on a back burner for other people, even though teachers are pushing for it. And I learned, you know, over the course of this week watching that podcast, not every state has a union for their teachers. And that is, is interesting because I'm really on the fence about unions in general. Uh, but, and however, um, let me, I was trying to share this out a little bit to some people. Um, I don't know, none of these people. Facebook just be putting anybody. I guess there's a new algorithm. They're trying to let you be seen by more people, but I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> And I'm, you know what, I may be in Big Exposes page, Chandler. That's probably why um, it's showing me all these random people. But um, I would say overall, my mood for this week is puzzled. Um, that's not mad or angry. Uh, it's just puzzled. Um, I'll speak up on the issue of adults communicating with other adults. Um, everybody has an agenda, 
when they're entering a conversation or a meeting or, uh, you know, when they're colliding with other adults, whether it be, you know, teacher and parent or friend and stranger or whoever. Um, but it just seems like we are having more and more trouble communicating with each other because I want things done my way. And I don't see, I don't see you, nor do I see what your needs are or wants for that matter. Um, and it's becoming more and more increasingly difficult to communicate with other people. And I'm gonna speak specifically to adults. It's becoming increasingly difficult to communicate because one, people don't say everything that they're feeling. Two, people hide their hand a lot, same type of issue. And, and three, I feel like everybody's on edge lately. And I'm trying to figure out how to communicate with people now because everything is taken the wrong way. I was having a conversation yesterday with someone and I made a comment about they possibly could be having some trauma from past experiences. And that person took it as I said they have traumas and and uh, and even that's along the lines of what I was saying, but I was saying it in a way where that may be an issue. You ask me a question and I'm telling you my truth in terms of I feel that, you know, how we respond to things nowadays is based off of past experiences. And, and the person that may have brought that out or triggered that may have nothing to do with that may have nothing at all to do with that. And we are using those people as punching bags in, in terms of relieving ourselves from past hurt or past trauma or past everything. And as I've been, as over the last, I'll just say this pandemic period, I've just been listening more to what people are saying and probably I didn't do that as great before as I am now, but I'm listening to what people are saying. And I'm just hearing a lot of, I don't hear you, I want what I want. It is a big push to being selfish. And I and and rightfully so, you know, even my pastor at one point, uh, there was a point where I was really focusing on me. Uh, and my pastor said, it's okay, this is your selfish period selfish season. And I, you know, so I acknowledge that and I give people in my space that grace because I was given, well, I really wasn't given that grace, but, you know, in terms of my past and people really loved me, they gave me that space to kind of clear things up and figure things out. So this week we had, I say all that, but this week we had our first, uh, it's, it's called back to school night. So all schools typically do it. And it's they normally wait maybe a week or so. Some do it earlier, some do it later. Once everybody, most schools try to get everybody into the system and, and figure things out and get comfortable with the newness of it. And then they have back to school night where a lot of stuff is addressed. A lot of new things, processes, policies, guidelines are uh, expressed and the parents get to meet with the teachers. You know, if it's a new teacher or they get reacclimated to teachers that they may have already known or whatever. Um, and 
it it was fine. Typically, I don't stay for those things. I I just don't. Um, I just don't. I'm I'm not for a lot because for most of my teaching career, I've been more of an art teacher, and there's no emphasis on the extracurricular teachers or instructors or even the other staff or faculty. It's typically about the primary teachers, you know, the grade teachers, and um. So I typically don't go because sometimes you're just sitting around waiting, as I was this week, just sitting around. And I I said I was going to be proactive this time. So if I'm going to be there, uh, and our, our principal and administrator was really pushing us to be there. So if I'm going to be there, I'm going to interact with the parents that I need to, that, you know, in these first three weeks or so, certain students have been, you know, more of an issue. Um, and I did that. I had a conversation with a parent and I felt like it was for nothing. I think I, I felt like I wasted my time having the conversation because that person, that individual, that adult came into our conversations on two different occasions um, with a idea of who I was. Now, what was funny and interesting, I had that same issue with a parent last year. And that parent and I made amends this year at that parent, uh, well, not another parent, but that um, back to school night. And it was very easy. It was very, you know, shocking to me because for all of last year, it was just, you know, she had a thought about me and that's what she felt. And um, that parent just, we didn't speak. We would cross paths and she wouldn't say much, but she wouldn't say anything. Um, and it was interesting that now this year I have a different parent that I'm going through the same thing with. And, and you know, there were other parents where I had I butted heads. But once we had a conversation, of course, you know, we understood each other. Had another parent who I asked to communicate with me before we jumped to any conclusion, whether the child did something wrong or I did something wrong or the situation wasn't handled correctly. Come to me first and hear me out. Ask me the questions that you asked to your child and get what my perspective was so you can create a, a different um, outcome or conclusion. And that's something my mother taught me. Um, when I would come home, and I'll say a teacher did this, this, this happened, this happened, this happened. It was more so um, my mother would listen to me, then she would go to the school and listen to the teacher. And then she would realize what really happened. And I practiced that this year. And I, I kind of gave that to some parents that I had uh, opportunity to speak with. But this parent, it, it feels like she wants it to be a problem. She it's, it's like she almost wants it to be a problem. And it, no matter what I tried to kind of circumvent that, circumvent it actually being an issue, it, it was like it was met with this a force that wanted it to be a problem. So I decided to just walk away. And that frustrates me because the child was there. So now I am aiding in helping that child to see how not to handle confrontation. And I see that she already is being taught how to handle confrontation at home um, the wrong way. And it, it, you know, I don't, I don't let a lot of stuff get to me. 
But when my integrity and my character is being put in jeopardy, I have a problem with that. And I've been saying that for a minute now because I've noticed, especially when there's an issue between a black man and a black woman, those things come up. And it makes me uncomfortable because as a black man, I am not priority in terms of being believed or trusted or cared for. And it, it just makes me a little bit, you know, makes me a little uncomfortable. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take this weekend and just figure out um, what I want to do because I'm not going to go the route of trying to make this person like me or understand me or care that I have a perspective in this. I'm not doing that at all. I've tried that in the past and it ends up in horror because that person then abuses that, um, that energy that I put in. So it's, it's not that. But I, I just want people to understand. One, children are always listening. They're always watching. And they take your lead. Um, and they see how you uh, get. And I, I typically let children get to me a little bit more than I let adults get to me. Uh, because they just don't know any better. And I have to understand that children know how to push your buttons. Once they learn, they continue to do it. Um, and then there's a thing of when there's no accountability um, for your actions. And I I wasn't raised with a thing where I was given incentive. So maybe that's why I don't typically do it. I'm learning, especially as somebody who is a leader uh, in my work, in my field, I'm learning how to give the people who are working with me and for me um, incentives and and but I, I still need to see the work being done. I need to see the behavior being done and displayed. Um, and if I know there's a challenge, let's work it out. But just to simply give candy or give prizes so you can do it. That's not how I was raised. Um, and I, I think it's really doing a disjustice to a number of these students who are in those spaces and going through that. I think it definitely is a disjustice to them, um, rearing them that way. Uh, so I'll kind of say, just cap that with, um, I am really in deep meditation and I know a lot of teachers have been and currently are and certainly will be um, in that mindset because things are really, 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 really tough. Um, the numbers in terms of children who aren't reading on their uh, natural level. Um, and there's always room, because even within the school system, you the way a teacher is teaching them, at the beginning of the year, your children come to you as is, and they may be at the bottom level of where they should be in that grade. And as they matriculate, you hoping that they get to the bottom level of the next grade so that they can at least start at, you know, at least a good level when they matriculate to the next grade. Um, but a lot of our students, because of the pandemic, and I'm in elementary school, so we see it the most. Um, we see a lot of children that are not just academically behind, but um, socially behind and social I believe is more important than academics because 
if you are not socially on your right age level or grade level, um, it really will be a, have be a problem for you in you receiving information. Because then, especially in a school system, you're having children having to, teachers and staff having to deal with classroom management more so than academic achievement. Um, and there's been a big push to get all the students on there on a higher level of literacy, and that's with reading, writing, comprehension, um, math, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, those being a big ones that they want to push them forward, and then everything else to kind of, you know, be what it is. But those are the foundation things that needs to be addressed right now. And they are, and I, I'll say the system of school is trying to do as best a job they can to get, to encourage the teachers to get them to a different level. But ultimately it is the student that is making a decision that they're over it because a lot of this stuff hasn't been addressed for a whole two years. You have students who did not come back to school right away um, because um, did not come to school right away after the pandemic because their parents either chose not to let them come back or just was like, well, you go stay out. We'll take you back when it's time. Um, today, I had a student that I saw for the first time. There were a couple students that are just coming back to school for the first time. And, it's, and it could be anything. It's, and and it's, this is not about blaming parents or family, but it could be any reason. You could have moved or, you know, work environments or home. A, a lot of people are having to find new homes and so on and so forth. And it, it really is a, you know, a lot from every direction. And the people that are suffering the most are one, the children at the top, and then everybody else is kind of like on the outskirts of that, that are really having a difficult time. But I would say for parents, um, go, if is any parents listening, go to um, YouTube and go to um, the, the podcast is called, um, I believe it's called Teachers on Break or something like that. I believe that's what it is. I watch it and I've started to watch it every morning now as I'm getting ready. And it really is like, it's a good show because it's, it's really lighthearted, but it really talks a lot about um, um, just, just life. It's Teachers Off Duty. That's the name of it. Um, and I'm going to try to get one of the ones that I like the best. Um, it's, it's three young ladies, and then they normally cycle in different teachers or administrators. They just had a vice principal on for the first time, um, and I think uh, that was really eye-opening because you got to hear a different perspective versus it just being teachers. Um, and I've sent them my information because I definitely, as a person who's been mostly an art instructor, um, I would love to take part in that conversation because they talk about how things affect teachers. Um, they talked about substitutes. They haven't really gotten on like the resource teachers yet, but um, it's very interesting conversation. They make it really lighthearted and they joke a lot, but they're telling their own stories because you have a lot of teachers that are dealing with PTSD right now. You have a lot of teachers that, um, and I have a friend 
Uh, my friend Tracy was a, a victim of a student slamming her finger in a door and a part of her finger is now missing. Like they had to sever that because it crushed the nail bed. Her nail bed was, so from this point of her finger on up is gone. So she's missing this part of her finger and I don't even know whether you see it, but um, that she didn't want to go back to the classroom because they let the student right back in that class. So she would have been in essence teaching that same student you know, with her finger being impaired. Um, and it, it really just, you know, a lot of teachers really feel like nobody is listening, nobody is concerned. And I'll be honest, for me, you know, I know my, my school, because the numbers were down starting school, I know they get less of, a, of the budget that they projected that year. But, you know, for me, um, this year, you know, well, I'm not going to say for me, um, if you were not a registered teacher, you did, they gave bonuses to the registered teachers, the teachers that stayed. So the other faculty that are at the school, their needs were just part of the budget. So if it wasn't in the budget, you didn't get it, you know, and it's just, it's simple things that I feel like, you know, the powers that be, and this is over the principals and administrators heads, but these are the people that sit up at, you know, at the school board and make decisions for students that they don't even know, for school systems that they probably only been in one time, if that. Um, our CEO, um, she only goes to the schools that are achieving. She doesn't come to the schools that aren't, you know, doing as well to see the environment, to see the need, to see the adjustments. And it's just, it's just weird to me, but I'm not going to get on that, uh, even though I've been already, um, but I'm going to kind of ease into transition into our topic for the day, which is uh, quick to anger. There was a video that I saw uh, of a mother, she was on, I believe it was TikTok. So I'll preface this. She made a video. She was not on social media. She was on the video with, she was just taking a video and she shared it with, I believe it was a family friend and that family friend put it on social media. And of course, you know, once internet gets things, things the telephone game begins. So <clears throat> so the story gets watered down and shifted and, and turned around and there's no um there's no recourse like you don't the story just gets blown out of proportion and we see that with celebrities we see that with locals you know you post something in the telephone game and it turns into a different story well the mother then came back so after i sent Moni the video do you do we have the video Moni? I think he left. Did he leave? Are you there, Marty? I'm, I'm here. Not quite yet. Almost. Okay. So I, before I sent Marty, well, after I sent Marty the video, I then saw the other video um, that I wanted to be played. But the new video was actually the mother. 
and she was explaining. So allegedly the child was 12. The mother had taken away the cell phone and he destroyed this house. So on a video, you see the mother walking through the house crying. TVs are broken. Windows are broken. It's just then she has a, a marble slab in the kitchen. A chunk of that on the corner is missing. You see things tossed off. You see mirrors broken. It seems like every TV computer screen in that home is done. Um, I, she makes notice to a work computer that looks like it's destroyed. Um, so that that was probably devastating. It looks like she had a work area. Uh, she, it appears that she may have worked for home, from home, and everything was destroyed. Um, the mother then came back in the second video that I saw and clarified it. The, the young person was not 12. They were 15. It was not over a cell phone. And there's a history of this person acting out in this manner. But this looks like it was like the biggest of situations. Um, I was trying to find more information, but that mother didn't put anything else out there. Like what is happening with the child? You know, I'm I'm sure there's some social worker involved now. Um, and, and it appears that that child is having some, um, a breakdown or there's some mental health issue going on or um, something going on that is, like the mother said, this is a history of this. Um, uh, but I, it appears from her response, they don't know what's going on. You know, in terms of it, it just sounded like she didn't know what to do. And I think she was more focused on what people were saying about her. Um, and she was she mentioned that this person who she thought was somebody she could trust um, shared the video to social media. That wasn't she had she did. This wasn't a live that she was doing. She had made a video to show the, the destruction that this 15 year old had. Um, caused, and because of it, it was just a, um, it was just a lot. Um, and I'm, in my mind, I'm envisioning watching that video again. So as soon as Marty has it up, um, we're going to play it. But this is something that a lot of parents, a lot of individuals that are around children, um, a lot of teachers experience on a daily basis. And for me, what is so heartbreaking is there is no recourse. It feels like um, nobody is there to support or help or give support in any way to this parent. Um, and being someone who's been in this situation, I've had children find me on social media and harass me, send me messages that, that, you know, aren't really going to amount to anything, but just the idea that it's happening. Um, I've seen children enraged. When I saw the video, that's the word that came to mind, enraged. So you don't, on the video, um, when we see it, you're not going to see the child doing it. You're going to see the after effects of it. But the after effects are clearly, you see how this happened. Um, it looked like they walked through the house with a, it looked like it was done with a hammer. It really, it really, or some 
hard instrument because everything, the TV screens are broken, the computer screens are broken, everything. And my question is, and uh, Blue was not able to make today's show because of work, but I definitely wanted to talk to Blue and we will pick this up and do a part two to it uh, once Blue comes back. So we can get a little bit more understanding as to why a child, because I didn't even feed into what the storyline was. Cause I know once, you know, once you see something, it, the story normally gets watered down. Uh, are we on break? Oh no. Uh, but part of the issue was trying to figure out what had happened. And in my mind, the first question that popped in my mind is, what could have happened to make someone that angry, specifically a child? Um, and I've seen children go to terror mode. And for me, terror mode is they're being destructive, they're throwing chairs, they're enraged. And I've seen that in a student. I've had that happen to me before where I've been that angry as a young person. And I, for me, it was more so, I was not being addressed in that moment. And, and the adult around me was making decisions for their own needs and not mine. And I remember being so frustrated that I did not feel like I was being heard at all. But I, it, it never got to that point. And I'm not, you know, measuring anger or frustration, but it just felt like watching that video, our children are in trouble in a space where they don't, I don't know. I don't know how to help them because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing how the parents are handling it or not. I'm seeing how the school system is handling it or not. I'm seeing how the leadership in the individual schools are handling it or not. And it really is scary to me to know that these young people are in a space of being on their own. Being on their own and not having, um, being on their own and not having direction or, um, anybody to like care for them. It's just hard. It's hard. Um, it's hard watching these things happen. It's hard. Um, mm. This, it, I, when I say that video, this took, and then the mother's reaction to the second video that I saw um, was just devastating. It was, um, and it, it just, I'm, I'm wondering who can help, you know, who can help, who can, um, I don't know, like who can help? Who can help? Who can? Um, what what can be done? Um, I was having a conversation with a young person today, and where I'm at with that young person was is, um, what do you want me to do? You know, they had 
did something that was inappropriate. And um I I, I wanted, you know, I, I was no, I could no longer be frustrated. So all I could say was, what can you, what can I do? What is it that you want me to do? And and what was interesting, the the kid, and, and I don't know how permanent this this mood that the kid was in is, but he was like, I don't feel like arguing no more. Like, and it it was it gotten to a point where I I don't I don't know. I've seen children be expelled before. I've seen children um, be suspended. I I've had to turn in information where students were suspended or kicked out of a school. Um, last thing I like to do is is have to call a parent or to inform the principal. You know, uh, recently I had to take half of my class to the principal, like half of the class, um, because at some point you get tired. I, I don't like yelling. I don't like being on edge. And you have students that in your face will play. Parent come up there and they totally different. And then once the parent leaves, literally that same day, they're back to where they were. Um, but I feel like there's something more going on. And I don't think it's just abuse or neglect. But something is happening where students just are losing all concern. And I don't know who is to blame. And I don't really think you can blame anybody because I think the whole system, teachers, faculty, parents, family, community, world, government, all together are to blame. And who loses out? The child. Because now that child is being put into a space where they're acting out in ways that they can't take that back. Because once you get kicked out of a school or expelled, it's really hard for another principal to want to take you in. It, it really is. And a principal don't have to accept you into their school. So charter school or homeschooling becomes, or alternative school becomes the, the only method. Um, and there are people doing studies right now that are saying if your child is not reading or writing or behaving in a certain way at this point in life, and it's elementary school that they're taking these polls, elementary and middle school that they're taking these polls, that determines whether another jail gets built. It determines... Um, what services get taken away from schools? What services are then put into schools? So you have a school like, like I'm in right now where it's a wholeness school. So because these things are happening in this community, they now have, we have social workers, we have um, therapists um, uh, in, other partners that come in that specifically deal with behavior um, because that becomes more prominent than the education is. And I'm just concerned. I'm concerned because I'm seeing children and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm not really measuring myself up against them when I was their age, 
But I'm just thinking about the kids that were in my class in element throughout elementary school. And a lot of these children cannot read, like can't read, cannot write a sentence, even a basic sentence. So uh, Moni says the video is ready. So whenever you, you can start planning and I just want us to watch it and just, ugh. I know in watching it, I really couldn't even understand what I was watching. House is poor. A baby bag. I don't know what you would do. I mean, you can, you know, call the police and they'll put them in a system and a social worker come out and it, it will be determined whether or not that space is conducive for that child to live in or if that child is safe enough being in that environment um, or the... <laughs> ah. I, I really had to watch it. The first time I watched it, I, I'm thinking it's like some hoarder show. Then I started reading the comments. Um, and then it, it felt like as soon as I sent it to Moni, I then the people started tagging me in the the video that the mom put out. So that's the little woman that you saw walk past the screen. She put out a video kind of clarifying things. So this was a 15-year-old boy. She said he's over six feet tall. He has a history of 
um, acting out. Um, I'm I'm curious, Monty. What would you have done? Are you there? I just I. My my biggest like I I don't want to bring up anybody, you know I. Oh, you couldn't even hear me. I was talking that whole time. I was on mute. Sorry. Uh -uh. That's why I kept <laughs> I, talking. I'm saying like, though, I don't think intuitively she would be able to let go of her son, like completely. But I don't think she would. He would live in here. He wouldn't live here. Because it I looks like he, he feel... has other, uh, at least a baby, another baby. I don't know how many other children. Yeah, you can see there's behavioral issues there for him because he went, it's not only the detriment of the house, but he went from room to room to destroy the house. Yeah. Like it's, well, like it's, it's one thing to destroy your run. own bedroom, your yeah. own bedroom, her son's bedroom. If mm -hmm. he was to destroy his own bedroom, but he intentionally went from room to room to room to room, living room, kitchen. All of the utensils, you know, all of the appliances, and destroyed them simultaneously. Like it was, it's just, yeah. Wow, the psychosis you have to be in to do that one, because you always, you know, even as a child, you was always thinking of the cost of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I what was. I was doing. I was adding it up. Yeah, was going around. <laughs> and to think that you know, in in your own home, say for instance, you made the mistake and broke the TV, the way your mother would look at you, like, all right, so how are you gonna pay for this? Mm -hmm. You went all everything yeah. in that house. <laughs> yeah, and it was another. It, the video was choppy a little bit, but there was uh, there were a few holes in the wall. I'm, I'm, and those are that's stuff. You can make money and pay for mm -hmm. stuff, but I'm worrying the next time is she you gonna be the destroyed one destroyed your whole entire mom's life? Yeah, everything that she built mm -hmm. for you and for herself. You yeah. destroyed all, and I I felt bad for her when she when uh, when she went over to her, her work computer was broken. Yeah. yeah, because she has to pay for that. Mm -hmm. But that looked like you know, our job might give her a break, but you know, still. Yeah, and, but but so this is my so as a teacher, Marnie, this is what I'm saying. Imagine that young man being in your class. Mm. In, in today's world, he's not the only one. They have, and I misspoke a couple episodes ago. There, um, there are some schools that still have special education. Mm -hmm. That have con and, and special education meaning contained classrooms, meaning everybody in that class is special needs. Mm -hmm. There are a few schools that still have that. The rest of the schools, when you get to middle school, high school, they are a part of the general population of students, mm -hmm. meaning. And this is why teachers complain about it being a lot of students in that classroom, because you may have four students like him in your room. No, no teacher's aid, nobody sitting in a classroom one-on-one -on -one with that student in some cases. Um, and you may have four students with kind of mental disorders like he had. You may have five or six with special educational needs, like they don't read well, or they may be dyslexic or ADHD, or they may be on medication. 
all of that is in a classroom. And we are expecting parents, community, just people in general are expecting for teachers to be able to deal with all of that. And the moment they can't, it becomes about them not being able to handle it versus why the hell do you have almost 30 some children in this classroom and five of them are on that level? So I'm only imagining at home, if you got five children and one of your children may be like that, what you're dealing with. Because not only are you having to focus your attention on this one student, on this one child, so you, you're not, you know, he's not acting out in that way. But now you have four children that you're not able to give all the love and attention to. So now they begin to act out just to get attention in some cases. I, I watched this and everything I wanted to talk about today, I, I had to take that shit off the table because it didn't even matter. Like it, because this is the reality that teachers are dealing with, whether it be to that severity or not, you have multiple children in a classroom that may have that aptitude or that tendency. They just want to destroy things when they're not, when they're raging. And sometimes it's not even about them getting, wanting attention or getting their way. It's just, I'm mad. Right. And I don't know how to deal with it. I don't, I'm, I'm just thinking back to school for me. And I don't remember those students. I don't remember that. So I don't know when this started. I mean, as a teacher in the school system, I can see for me when it started happening. But just in general, I don't, did they stop medicating the children? Did they stop, you know, I don't, I don't remember it being that bad. That's because we got Frankens. Mm. I'm sorry to say it. I mean, as much as people don't want to hit their children no more. Yeah. And we but hate these babies. When you we decide to do it. So if we can actually see what being spanked did for us. Yeah. They, I mean, because I didn't find it as a, as abusive as other people seem to think it is. Uh, even as a person that was experienced the beating, right? Well, that's accountability, though. That meant you had accountability in what you did. Mm-hmm. Now, there were situations where children were being abused. Right. Like, I'm drunk tonight, so I'm going to beat the shit out you. But you that's know what's what so interesting? Because I say that as a person that didn't get to be, as, uh, that didn't get the brunt, the brunt. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't even find the word I'm trying to say. The brunt of it. Like my sister mm-hmm. got. Because yeah. I remember there was a time where my sister had got beat with an extension cord. Mm-hmm. I thought that was abusive. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't my fight. It was her fight. If she felt right. it was abusive, then she would have took it to another level. I don't think she felt that way. She did something wrong and she got disciplined for it. Unfortunately, you know, it was with an extension cord. At that moment, she probably felt like I was being destroyed. But she knew she did something wrong and she was being disciplined for it. Accountability. Exactly. So that's why she didn't call the police. She probably wanted to in that moment. Yeah. But after the, you know, after the initial shock of being beat, she actually felt like, okay, I did do something wrong. I was I was wrong. Yeah. I got hit with my mouth with a brush. Maybe she didn't have to be get a beating with extension cord. Maybe she just could have had an open hand. True, 
true. But accountability. I got it in my mouth with a grush. It, it, it. My, mm. my, my mouth didn't bleed, but my lips swelled up. My bottom lips swelled mm. up. Mm. I could have called the police. Yeah. I did something wrong though, and I got yeah. disciplined for it. That's how it was. That was the feeling that I, I took away from why I got hit with the brush. I'm I laughing. Did something I'm wrong. laughing. I'm laughing because. <laughs> I was at home one day and I I used to like to play with fire. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, even, even if I asked my mother, I don't know where it came from. And I remember I I thought I had cleaned all the cinder mm -hmm. off the stove. And she found a she found a piece of cinder and knew that I was playing with fire. And she she went to hit me and I ducked and I ran into the stove. And that's why my eye is a little lazy on this side. I ran into the stove and my eye was swollen. Mm -hmm. And I remember her not sending me to school for two days until my eye came down. She didn't want to go to the foster parent at that time. And she worked in the school system. So yeah, she knew what to perceive that she black and dry. Right. And I'm, and, but at the same time, my aunt came in and was ready to defend me, and I can, I just stayed quiet. I just, I said to my, I said to my aunt, "Oh, I hit my eyes," mm -hmm. and my mother said, "Because I was about to beat your ass," <laughs> and I, and my, I mean, it embarrassed me, but at the same time, I knew I was in there playing with fire. Mm -hmm. And I know my mother's rage was, bitch, if you burn my house down, where the fuck we gonna live? Right. Like, I I, I remember hearing her say that. But uh, what is missing, and, and it seems crazy for people who aren't in the school system to understand, the accountability is gone. Uh, last year, a student stole my cell phone, and when he was forced to give it back to me, an hour later, after lunch was over, he was back in my classroom. Mm. His mother had not been called. There was there was a, a fake apology given, but nothing happened to him. Mm. So guess what he did the next day he came in? He took my keys. Oh, God. To this day, I don't know where any of those keys are. Never found the keys. Never found them. So there's no, and there's nothing that was done. He just, they just bring them back into the classroom. It took two of them setting a fire in the bathroom for them to even suspend them for three days. So I don't, like you said, you knew, you knew, okay, I was fucking up. This is why I'm getting a beat. Because mm -hmm. often your parent explained to you why you was getting a beat. Exactly. And it's probably in the most time it's in the midst of being beat. Right. <laughs> and that's what we laughing, but in a moment we were devastated. But were we really being abused? Because, and I'm saying it not to excuse the children who were, I know children who were getting beatings because dad came home drunk today. Right. And there's a difference between that and, and, and or mom had a tick. Mom had a mental tick 
And when I said, when I breathed too loud, she backhanded me mm-hmm. or hit me with a shoe or threw me down. Those, that is a, but what is happening now, because those things happen, because a teacher touched a child inappropriately, because a teacher went off, now all of the students are being given chance after chance after chance. So to a child that's not being said the fire is hot, they will keep touching the fire. And they get burned and then they go wrap their hands up and then they come back and do the same thing again and have the same behavior. So I'm I'm in my mind, I'm looking at this video. How many times has this mother gone through this? And for me, will she be next? The next video that comes out, will she be laying in a hospital bed with her arm broken? Like that's that's because children who are suffering from that whether they have mental disorder or they may have some um, developmental issues, is we jokingly say those types of students are very strong, but they are. My mom was, she switched from the education to the counseling field and she had her arm broken. My mother has metal, a metal plate in, in between her wrist and her forearm now from having her wrist broken by a, a child. So, and this was a child that she kept asking for more, more visibility for. She didn't want to be alone with this child. The child was bigger than her. The mother said this, he's bigger than me. He's like six feet tall. So a, a spanking is out of the question. When I'll, I'll send you that one um, when we do part two, but that I, I'm, I'm looking at that house. Like, is this the day that, that Nate go to jail for beating a child? Like this has to be like at what point, but I'm and I'm more so speaking from the perspective of the school system, because in the school system, our hands are tied. You can't just beat a child no more. Corporal punishment is gone. Right. It needs to come back, but it's gone. But there's no. So I'm 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 not understanding. I mean, that's, it from I mean, that's part of, of the issue too, though, is that. Kids mm-hmm. no longer have, and I, and I hate you. You know, it's kind of hard to say a healthy fear, I, but they no longer have a healthy fear of their parents. Respect. I mean, what you're saying is there's no longer respect there. Mm-hmm. But the respect is gone from I, you. I could count and don't have enough fingers to count how many parents that say, "Well, what do you want me to do?" He does the same thing at home. Right. I've had parents. I've had a mother tell me. Do not keep my child after school no more because I'm not coming in here for him no more. He's doing the same. And that was right before the pandemic hit. Like literally, that happened the week before the pandemic. All that first year, I was like, that boy dead. He did. Because I could not imagine her being alone with that child for two years. And him being okay. And I prayerfully he good. Because I believe he's like in middle school now. Well, probably like fifth grade. But she said, I'm not coming in here for him no more. She said, I'm done. I'm and this little boy was in the first grade when she said this. Before the pandemic hit, that was the end of his first grade year. And she was done with him 
But this is the same young man that would fall out. I still got a videotape of him falling out on the floor. There's a lot of children that I prayed for constantly throughout the pandemic because I know their parents couldn't deal with them on a day-to-day basis, 24 hours a day. I know a lot of children just got left in the house by themselves because their parents had to get the hell out of there. Or they started getting more beatings. So some of the school systems, like the school system that I'm in, they started doing home visits. So even though they were virtually learning, a lot of the social workers and admin would do home visits because we knew some of those children were alive. And as was suspected, a lot of children was like terrorizing because they wasn't clocking in for school. So we knew something was happening. But I don't, I don't know. Like I, I was speechless when I, when I, um, me and Blue were going to talk about something totally different. And when I saw this, I, I just could not. I went to school with that. Mind you, I watched that when I sent you that message. I think I sent that to you like early this morning. Mm. I went to school with that on my mind, like. I knew today was going to be a rough day because I had my fifth graders. When I have my fifth graders, it's a tough day. But I couldn't imagine being at home with them for two years all day long. And and then with this video show was probably a result of that boy being locked in the house for two years. Or not in, in a lot of students, we see it more, I see it more with the younger students. They don't know how to be in class with each other no more. Like they don't know how to share, like, and that was always the problem, but it's it's a bigger problem now. And you can tell the children that may not have had many children with them. So some of the some of the students that I have right now were not even in school when the pandemic happened. Some of them were born during the pandemic or right before the pandemic. Some of them were in pre-K and kindergarten when the pandemic hit. So a lot of them, educational-wise, we understand that they're behind, but a lot of them are socially behind because a lot of them don't have siblings. And even the ones that had siblings, a lot of parents were really keeping their children away from people. So whatever the problem is now is magnified like 100% of what the problem was in 2020. At the beginning of 2020, before we went into a pandemic, a, a lockdown from the pandemic. And it, I don't know, I'm scared for children. I'm, I'm concerned about parents and teachers. And I'm, I'm just worried about the two together. Um, I, I really don't know. You have a, a nephew. How has this been for him going through the pandemic and now being back in school? Is he having some behavioral issues or is he coming home talking about other people? You know, I thought, well, I actually never thought about it because my sister is like really, really, really hands on with him. Mm -hmm. And... But he's the only child, right? The, you know, part of the fray of being she, her being able to work from home as well, though, too. So, mm-hmm. in the beginning, okay. you know, when they were starting to bring kids back to school, 
she, you know, at first she was apprehensive on sending him, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody else was, you know, she was going to keep him home. But then that whole issue with Baltimore County and, and trying to, you know, sign up to stay home to be, you know, to do the um, virtual learning thing, that was still an issue. So he ended up going back to school. He reacclimated mm-hmm. like it was nothing. So, no, he did not have a, a struggle. But again, she's like very hands on. Like when he comes home, homework time, then you can go play. Okay. You know, well, you know, she had a structure like for him. Exactly. Or she goes up to that school and she's very, like, when I say hands on, like, she logs in all the time to see what his grades look like. Yeah. You know, or assignments do, or things, you know, like that. But that's not, a, you know, a typical parent's thing when they can't stay at home, when they don't have the option to stay at home and they have to go to work or have to be, you know, yeah. you know, can't be distracted by their child's school and then all that kind of stuff. So and you said, you said though, that's a difference. And that's, that's because he's, the, I'm not saying because, but he's the only child. So she don't have multiple children. Exactly. So she don't right. have multiples that have to deal about, that worry about too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, but you can see even back to school night, you can see the parents that were just going through the motions like, yeah, okay, what, what else information? You can see the parents that came together and was in it versus the ones that didn't show up. We have, at, at my school right now, I think we have 150-some students. And that's really low enrollment. Um, and only, like, 30 parents showed up. So that, so now we're seeing these children, and we understand who is the problem. And even some of the children that are, are a problem, parents came. But it is a difference. And like, if I call a parent, I don't have a problem on that child for a while versus if I call a parent and they don't have the correct number or we never meet them until the child is suspended um, or a parent teacher conference is forced to happen. But it, it is, you know, I, I know I don't blame a lot on this pandemic. I understand a lot of the things that are happening now as are a result of it. Um, but the problem was the problem happened in the pandemic. You know, when, when they first went to virtual at the begin at the end of that school year, before they even started the next school year, all in virtual. So they had a whole year in virtual, and then they had a year where it was kind of like half and half. And now we're in the school year that we just passed, where it was like they came back full time. And then this year, of course, they're all full time. But it's still it's it's a weird phase to be in to see um, behavioral issues be magnified, especially with that we expected or the school system rather expected for that to happen with older children like high school, middle school. That was expected because you know, they were already feisty. They were already getting into things and now they're coming back. So that was expected. What wasn't expected was elementary school. So we thought it would be easier because they were already young and they wasn't used to school for a couple of years, but you are seeing behavioral issues like, like not being able to sit in a classroom, just getting up and running out of a classroom being disrespectful. There's a lot of sexual behavior going on in elementary school. You know, I have a lot of children drawing phalluses on everything. Um, Or you have students that are addicted to porn. 
and I, you don't know if this was introduced to them before all this, but it definitely magnified because now they all, most students had at least a tablet and they were watching it. We have a lot of children that are, and it, they may, and I'm, I don't remember being that way in school. You may have had one or two students, but it wasn't the class. And now it's the class. But what is worse is a lot of the parents are just so, hmm, they're aiding in the behavior. Um, but like you, like you were saying about your nephew, like some parents just had a better hold of it and were blessed to be able to work from home and have that supervision. A lot of these students were not. There was one um, child that some of the teachers talk about, and he, I don't think he came, he, I, don't, I don't think he's coming back this year, but we can't say that because I just, a student just started today. Um, but uh, he would be on live with his baby, I think it was his baby brother, on his lap while he was in class. So you, and, and you wonder why he has that adult attitude. Well, he was being an adult because he was watching babies while he was in class on virtual learning. So I, I don't know how to address this. And, and that was one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk about this today because Blue has more experience work. He works with children and adults um, as a therapist and counselor. Um, and it really, um, I, I, I'm just curious as to what his perspective is on this, because it's just, as a teacher, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what I, how do I navigate? I'm being told in my professional developments, children can't learn from teachers they don't like, but they're saying the same thing to children. So you're, you're basically telling this child you don't have to like this person. They have to. They have to make you like them, and this is it's not a shared experience. Um, on the other side of it, a lot of because now we have more therapy in schools. Children are now being given more verbiage to express how they feel, which is a great thing. But a, children will use things against you all the time to. Um, to their advantage. They know how to navigate conversations now. The thing that is missing is the experience and the wisdom. So you can tell that this is a child that just been given information. They don't really know what they're doing with it. All they know is I can get you fired or um, I can call the police on you or you can't say that to me. After they just finished cussing you out, telling you to suck their hind parts or kiss their hind parts. If you were to even say, damn, that becomes, oh my God, Mr. Cowser said, damn, you're not supposed to say stuff like that. So it, it, so they know we have more restrictions on us than any of them have. And, and as parents, any parents that are watching this, I pray for you, so pray for me and pray for the rest of the teachers that your children if you have children are around, because it's really a good thing. Even when uh, Monty speaks about his, his nephew, the other people in that class, because it's, it's often students like that, that, that are not behavioral issues, that, but they're in classes with people who are raging, who are 
showing the signs of being locked in a house for two plus years. So then they get less of what they need because the teachers and staff are focusing more on them. The same way when you have children, that's why I'm really hard on Nick Cannon for thinking that he can keep having all these fucking children because you can't keep your eyes on all of them, no matter how much money you have. Because at that point, you're just paying people to watch them and paying these mothers to keep having them. So that, that's another issue. But um, that's why I'm so hard on him for that reason, because it really is. Um, it's different. And I, I really need parents to understand. We need to share in this responsibility and uh, the topic of quick to anger. It is is really children displaying really volatile and really uh, mental struggling disorders. Uh, I, I said it almost right, uh, but but it's also we have to figure out together how to deal with this because you can't just keep putting more and more restrictions on teachers and expecting for them to come out with the best possibilities. Because a lot of teachers now are suffering from stress. You have teachers that are literally walking off the job, not even ending the day, but just walking off the job and never coming coming back. I remember that first, like last, not this fall past, the fall before that, there were, there were teachers that would literally leave on Friday and not ever return and have not returned. And we can't keep doing this thing where we're just ignoring it and just blaming the teachers at the end of the day. Well, you can't control your class. No, you are putting people in this class that don't mix. This is a volatile mix of people. That's like drinking light and dark liquor in one glass. You're going to shit yourself. You're going to be in a fight. You're going to do something irresponsible. Like it's when you mix the wrong elements together, chaos is bound to happen. And, and we have to figure out now because these children, a lot of these children are graduating from high school. A lot of these children will eventually graduate from high school, hopefully, um, and still not have all the tools that they need. I can't even think about them going to college right away. I would pray that they could. I would pray that they could matriculate into their adult life. But a lot of these children are being passed into adult life not ready. I don't think my niece, my oldest niece, was ready to graduate. You know, I have friends who I don't think their children are ready to graduate. I just I, I see students. I don't think that they're ready to matriculate to the next grade even, let, let alone graduate. They're not ready. And then just mixing, mixing. We have a, a student, I have a student now from Senegal. Um, one, she's never been in school because some of those countries, those smaller countries, um, the girls don't go to school. So this is her first time in school. So she speaks a language um, in Senegal. French is a predominant language, but there's a language called Wofo. Um, that is um, more prominent, that's actually number one spoken in the country. So she understands it because she dialogues and have conversations with her family, but she can't read her own language. That's functional. 
you know, but in terms of her learning our language, I can tell how hard it's going to be for her. And I just wish she doesn't get frustrated in the process because all of us are trying to figure out this language. And I knew what the language was, but it's not, um, it's not an English, easy, easy language. And a lot of the, like Google Translate doesn't have that on their list. So, you know, you're figuring it out. And it, it is a way to get around it, but. And she'll eventually learn it because she has a family member that is English speaking as well. So that will help her. But it really is. Um, it's different. And I just, you know, as we close out the show today, you know, if you know anybody with children, if you know a teacher or a parent, with especially multiple children, do something nice for them. You know, I ain't saying babysit because <laughs> that ain't my that ain't my stick either. Um, but you know, check in on them, ask them how they doing. You know, because uh, you know, I know for a minute, I just suffered in silence. You know, I didn't really go to my principals. Now, I know they be tired of me because it, that whole thing of accountability is missing, and they have no. Um, there are no consequences to their actions, whether it be failing a class because they just go pass them along or throwing a chair, hitting somebody in the head. There are no consequences. You send them home for three days. To a child that don't want to be in a classroom, that ain't doing nothing. They're not going to fail because you just go pass them on. So, um, and that's happening. Children who have failing grades are being given default grades and sent to the next grade and having to catch up. So they're not even catching up to the grade that they're being sent to. They're catching up to the grades that they've been passed from. You have a lot of people, in a lot of students at elementary school that may be in third, fourth, and fifth reading on kindergarten levels. Um, can you, oh, you have the, the response, can you play that? So this is the mother's response. It really sucks that I have to make a video to prove that this damage that was done to my life is real and that my friend betrayed me and sent this video out to the public of something so hurtful. But be real. The damage is real. It's, you know, the glass is gone, the broken glass is cleaned up, and but the damage is still here. It's still here. Things that have to be, this is an apartment. I have to fix this and it's not funny my son is six foot tall he's not 12 he's 15 and he's 270 pounds so no I can't spank him and he's mentally ill so yeah it's real um so I guess everybody's saying they want to know who it is okay so now you know it's me it's me it's my son it's my house no he's not 12 it wasn't over a cell phone um, he's 15, he's six foot tall, and he's 270 pounds, so no, I couldn't spank him. Um, the desk, you know, we try to clean up as much, but yeah, the damage is real. The window is still broken out. <laughs> the marble is still broken, not going away immediately. So I don't know what anybody wants from me. My son is mentally ill. Um, I've dealt with this for 15 years. <laughs> 
And it just sucks that I trusted someone and they sent the video out. And now everyone is looking at my hurt. I mean, I, I feel for her. But what she is describing is the result of people passing him along and probably telling her, oh, he'll grow out of it or not giving him the resources that are required. And I'm not saying she's not doing what she's supposed to do because it sounds like for 15 years she's been dealing with it and probably trying to find resources, but something isn't connecting. Therapy does not fix anyone. Therapy is to, one, for the therapist or counselor to figure out what the issue is. That's a whole nother issue when it comes to solving the problem or finding the solution. So hearing that, after seeing that video, I watched that video, it, it was very frustrating to me because the first thing that we do online is give our opinion. You don't know what this lady's been dealing with since day one with this child. And some children are born with that mental defect where behavior is their outlet. You see it through their behavior, how they interact. And this has been probably uh, 15 years in the making. This has been in the making for 15 years. And it's been built up and built up and built up. And he probably was doing little things at first, breaking little things at first. And now he just destroyed their home. And like she said, she's a renter. So she got she got to fix all of that. I mean, hopefully the she doesn't have one of those landlords or property management companies that, you know, spy on you. Because if they were to see this, and it's already viral, so if they see it, they can kick her out. And it's probably already been a problem. You know, somebody's calling the police on him because he's done this or he's hit a child or, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I can imagine what this young man looks like because I have these young people in my class and nobody's addressing the issue. You know, you send them to the office, they send them right back. The next day, they're back in your class. A parent hasn't been called. Um, a meeting hasn't happened. Um, it's, it's wild. It's, 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 it's wild. And it's, nobody's doing anything. And when I say nobody, um, I mean nobody. Parents are hoping that this is just a phase. Um, they're trying to deal with it. Um, often you hear about parents getting arrested for abusing their child. And it's situations like this. You know, especially in the Black communities, we're taught that we can beat that out of a child. Now, we were just talking about punishment and discipline, but when your child is on that level, a beating is not going to work. Especially by the time they got to 15 and they've been doing this all their life, a beating is like adding fuel to a fire. And she she probably was terrified. She's probably terrified of a child. Because if he can create that type of destruction, he could do that to her. And I'm wondering, had it happened before? 
you know, if if he's not put into a facility to get him some structured help, around the clock help, she is going to be next. I've worked in those types of facilities where the child was sent to that facility after putting their hands on a parent or after beating up a teacher. You know, lastly, it, this is real. It's real. It is it's real. So if you know any parents that may be struggling, you know, do some research for them, find some spaces for them to get the help. If you're in the school system, I thank you for your service and, and hope that things turn around before you decide to leave. Um, I hope that you have a supportive administrative team. And I complain a lot, and it's not really complaining, it's just telling my story. But I, up until this point, I've had a really supportive team at my school. But it's still not enough because a lot of the accountability throughout the districts, not just here in Baltimore, because I've, and me watching that uh, podcast, Teachers Off Duty, um, I'm realizing it's like this everywhere. It's not just the Baltimores, it's all over. It's all over. And hearing some of the, the stories that come from uh, teachers on that from that podcast, it just, I know I'm not alone. And up until the day, you're dealing with students that are disrespectful. I had a two student say, suck my dick today. I'm just, you know, it, it, it is weird. It's weird. And I don't know how to better um, uh, describe it, but it's weird. And we have to figure out how to maneuver around it. So this has been the Artist Exchange radio show. We are on every Friday at 5 p.m. Next Friday, we won't be here. But I'll go live on the page um, probably after the show or before the show um, with Blue. Um, but we'll be there. Um, if you can come, it's at the Voxel. Um, so look up the Voxel, V-O-X-E-L. And the show is called Funktopia. Um, they've done a number of these uh, throughout the summertime, and they did one last year um, at Blue. He's one of the main characters this time. Um, uh, shout out to his team, Jonathan Gilmore and the Posse. Uh, Jonathan being the leader of this and um, all the actors and such. Um, so I'm spent. I'm going to do a little bit of more work here at the studio. And then I'm going to head home. And um, I got a bar over there. Y'all want to see my bar? And I'm trying, I'm not a drinker. And even Marty will buy for that. I'm not a drinker. Um, oops. There you go. So I'm gonna show y'all my uh my bar. Oh, I can't even look the camera. But you see that? You see that right there? That's what I'll be wanting to do. I'll be wanting to I'll be wanting to partake in those things, but I'm not that person.
Um, but oops, did I cut it off, morning? Oh, because I can't. But this has been um, this has been the artist exchange. Nate Blue isn't here. Um, he'll be back not next week, but the week after next, because this show is next week. Um, but peace out, people. You said what? October. Yes, time is going. So peace out, people. So we won't be on that the second week of October. Okay. No, you'll be back the first week, the seventh. I said the second weekend. Yeah. Isn't it the fifth thing for something? No, it's the seventh. No, I'm saying for your trip. Oh no, I leave the twenty seventh of September. Oh okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we won't be back until October then. October. Okay. <laughs> See y'all peoples. Peace out. I need a burger or something. <laughs> I gotta leave burger to stop and get me a burger for more juice. Oh, I'm still on air. I ain't say that. I can't see anything. That's